Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drive podcast, you remember that your brilliance is your birthright. And so this week, we have the amazing Latoya Drake. Now, Latoya Drake is head of media representation at Google. I interviewed her some time ago. And since that time, she actually, let me just double check because I don't want to. She actually then has since become the head of North America's news lab at Google. So that's who she is. She's phenomenal. You're going to love her interview. I know I say that about everybody, but you really are. Remember I said that I was going to, I took a break, right? And I came back after 18 months. Well, there was a time that I had every intention of coming back sooner. And then I did a series of interviews with some phenomenal women and I just couldn't get myself back. I mean, that's the truth. You know, I couldn't get the energy to start reposting again. So some of these interviews that you're going to hear over the next few weeks are from that time. So there are some references that indicate that that time and, um, you know, but if there's so much gold in the interview, I was not about to throw it out. And if you're a podcaster, you know exactly what I mean. The content is, when the content is beautiful, you're going to keep running with it, right? So you're going to love her. Um, and maybe I can have her back on the show to update us on where she is right now. She's like, it's such a good interview. It is such a good interview. Okay. Now, if, if you remember, if you're an OG, she's got Drive listener. One of the things that I'm bringing into this um, this season is I am inviting my listeners to write in with a couple of things to share your stories of your ex, your moments of drive, what you are accomplishing and what you are achieving and what you're proud of and and what you're working on. So I'd love to hear from you. And then the other is, as you know, I've been a coach and facilitator for over 30 years. So you get an opportunity to ask me anything. So is there something you want to take on in your life and you're not sure how to go about it, where to begin? Are you stuck? Is there a relationship that needs some repair and you think, mm, I need some guidance, just a little bit of coaching on how to get to the next step in my life? So if that's you, then send me a question and I'll address the question. I'll start addressing the questions on the show. Okay, so right now we're going to go over to the interview with Latoya and I'll see you on the other side. So... Latoya, thank you so much for being willing to be a guest on She's Got Drive. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I would love to start with you sharing with our listeners what you do and how you came to do what you do. Sure. I am on a team at Google that really is focused on news and information. I've been there about seven years and for the past year, we saw this opportunity to really open up a new role. My actual title is head of media representation. But what that means is we think about the role that we play in bringing information to people. When we say what information are we bringing, whose voices are we amplifying? When someone comes to search, when they come to look for news, are we being as inclusive as we can be with our practices? Are we helping the organization's newsrooms that are publishing news for people of color or led by people of color? Are they getting a fair shot at people finding them and getting access to them? That feels like an easy thing to say, but you'd be amazed uh, if no one has ever thought about it. It just doesn't happen. And we continue to read and see the same things over and over. 
And then also in my role, I think just not just about Google and our services, I think about the role of representation in media and news in general, and how Mm -hmm. I can help organizations get the resources that they need so that they can have a thriving business, uh, so that they can be successful. So it's, it's very much about our products and improving our products and also looking across the industry to be a good partner, to build interesting programs that one, um, address some of the needs and challenges in, in journalism. And uh, very quickly, I'll give you an example that I hope mm-hmm. it makes it make sense. There's a challenge of looking in newsrooms and the data is very public. A group that used to be called American Society of News Editors, they published this diversity research. And the stat was one that, you know, kind of makes your eyes open Why that, you know, 86% of newsrooms are led by white men. And one of the challenges that people say is, well, there's no pipeline of talent. We don't know where to find this talent. So then what I do is I go and I say, who are the organizations and how can I get you resources so that we can build these pipelines? And that means creating partnerships with the likes of, you know, the Ida B. Wells Society or the Mm -hmm. Maynard Institute. So I look for those challenges and I figure out a way I can get people the resources they need to do the good work that they need to do to really, you know, kind of transform the industry as much as we can. So what were you doing before that led you to be stepping into this particular role? Right. It, it's so interesting because when I came to Google, I wasn't looking for the job. I'll say the job found me. When I initially came, the role that I got hired into was to, one, do um, outreach and work with journalists to tell stories using Google products. And the other half of it was to be a spokesperson. How I got there is some random experience from various jobs. And that happened to be the person who had the mix of experience that they needed. Before I got to Google, I was at an agency doing integrated marketing and communications um, mm-hmm. and Microsoft was our client. So I've always worked in tech. But before that, I was at a company called AOL that some people might be uh, too young <laughs> to remember. I remember um, AOL. Familiar with AIM. So I, I was yeah. at AOL for many, many moons. And while I was there, two things happened that mm-hmm. set me up to step into the role that I eventually came into Google under. I had a colleague who taught a class at NYU, um, social media and digitization and could no longer teach it and asked me if I would take it. I thought, oh, I love school. They won't hire me because I've got no experience. Long story short, they did hire me. And I also had a boss who had created a role for herself sort of as a spokesperson who took trends and turned them into consumer messaging. And she'd go on the talk shows and she invited me to do that job with her. So when Google was looking for someone to fill this role, I happened to have the set of experience that they needed. And so somehow or another, they got my information and got in touch with me. And that led me into the company. Now, having been there seven years, you talked about the pace of change, especially in technology and companies Mm -hmm. like Google. There's an opportunity to find new needs and reinvent yourself, which is why I'm not doing what I initially came into the company to do. But it's all about news and information and helping people get informed. Great. And was this was your new role? did you inspire and create that role? Because I'm hearing that you can have the opportunity to create your roles and step into, was that your vision that you created as your response to last year? Or was that outside of you and they went, they came to find you? Yes, it was a bit of both. I will say this, a lot of the work that I do around equity and inclusion, again, not what I was hired to do, but somehow Mm -hmm. when you're one of the few people of color, you kind of just Mm -hmm. get pigeonholed into it. Um, And I started to think to myself, I see what's happening. There is real business use for this work. And it is not just volunteer work. And let's figure out how we can get some more diverse voices. I thought, let's make this a real business case. And I actually, over the course of last year, would just write down what I wanted to be doing. 
Mm-hmm. And that event, those, those like scraps of paper that I had around eventually came a job description. And I actually wrote up what I thought the role was and what we needed to be doing. And I sent it to my management team and said, I think we should be doing this. What can we call it? And they thought, I agree. And so it took a little bit of, mm-hmm. I'm just going to take my chances. I've been here long enough. I have enough of a reputation that why not ask and see if we can make this happen. Otherwise, you're kind of just showing up day in and day out at work. And I thought, no, there's too much opportunity here. There are too few people like me here. You've seen the stats. I mean, yep. tech struggles with the same numbers yep. in terms of diversity and representation. And I thought, since I'm here, let's make a little noise and see if we can get some support to do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love, I love one, make some noise, like really like what, what, what's the level of disruption that you can mm-hmm. cause in any system in a way that they can hold it and they can receive it. It's the mm-hmm. other thing, because there's all different types of ways that we can disrupt. And, um, and the other is um, the recognizing that we have the ability to create the roles that we want, even inside mm-hmm. of systems. And I feel like um, that's like a hidden um, gem. Yeah. in lots of spaces where people don't know that that's actually possible and a lot and, and it is if you can find a business case and you can create the business case that oftentimes lots of organizations respond to that and then you get to do the job that you actually want to do and you love and that you're passionate about what I do you 100% want 100 agree yeah. what do you want to accomplish so what would be your so when you think about this what would be like if you stood in like two three years time and you look back at you the work that you're doing what would be the thing that you say like I was successful at that because we did we got the following things what would the following things be for you yes um the things for me well one of the biggest things is success for me is when I'm no longer the only person or I'm not one of the few people doing this work it's almost as if you're kind of talking yourself out of a job success for me is really who else is coming up And how can I create a path that a lot of us didn't get to see, but it becomes so normal to see us. But also success for me looks like this. Now, let me be very clear. At a place like Google, it's no one, you don't just come in and have power. What you have Mm -hmm. is influence. Mm -hmm. And under no circumstances am I getting any, am I have, I'm not an engineer. I really have no impact on why things show up or the algorithm, but I will be successful if I can at least get product teams and engineers to question how they think and why they do what they do. So I will give you an example. Whenever you search for a news, let's say in in the Google News app or on the news site, there are many times where we amplify negative narratives that are happening uh, like with publishers. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. You may notice that sometimes you may search for the name of a black male who was killed by police officers. Mm -hmm. What you often get, the first story you will get is a mugshot or their criminal history. We have to ask, why is that the first thing that people see when we we talk about someone's someone's death or someone's passing? Mm -hmm. Why are we amplifying these negative narratives about black people? Right. We have to pay attention to the role that we play in, in terms of the information that people receive. So if we can start to change again, you have no power over the big G and how things show up. But if you can get people to think about it and care mm-hmm. about it, we can do a better job of the information that we give to people. So for me, it is all about how are we doing a better job of accurately portraying our communities? Because this is the place where people come for information. Yeah, and how can I get people to care about that? Again, keep in mind, you look at the numbers, 
who are our engineers? There's so few black engineers. Yeah. There are yeah. so few people who have intrinsically in- experienced the harm. And if you can't open people's eyes and, and if I can't do that, or at least get people to think twice uh, about why we build things the way we do. Uh, mm-hmm. If I can't do that, then I haven't been successful. If I can do that, then I, I'm happy. Great, great. And it is a tall order that you've got for yourself, you know, so, it, but you, it, it sounds is. like you're a woman who likes big games, so. And um, I'm not doing it alone. Yeah. I, I'm not the only one. I, I stand side by side with many, many disruptors. Great. So let's come back to you a bit more about you and versus like your role. And we may swing back to that in a, a bit later. If we talk, so that was success for you in your role. What about success for you in your life? Like, how would you define success? Oh, success in my personal life. There are so many things that I haven't accomplished. You know, like personal things, starting a family. And I have to ask myself, oh, when do I stop being the person who is achieving and working so hard mm-hmm. and kind of shifting my focus? So that's that's success. Uh, caring just as much as about, about my own life as I do my career. Success for me is also, I'm going to say this, and I mean this the way it sounds. I don't want to have to work so hard. Yes, you know, yes. I don't want to be on the grind. I mean, we have been on the grind since we were in kindergarten. I want to know what that looks like to not. I want to enjoy some of that, that, Mm -hmm. that solitude and just that quiet. Mm -hmm. I guess that's success for me. It's like, what does it look like if I'm not working? Right. And I I love the work Mm -hmm. that I do, mind you. It's a, and it's great work, but that is success for me. And I'm, I'm from the South. It is like sitting on the porch, um, drinking sweet tea or lemonade or glass of wine and yeah. just listening to birds and reading the books that I want to read and watching all the TV that I want to watch. It's really just like, a, it's the opposite of work. It's the opposite right. of hustling. Right. It's like, that's right. the goal. Yeah. Right. I feel like the, that, and in that exploration is really increased because of the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I often talk to people who listen to, who listen regularly, know that I talk about living your life by design and not default and mm. a talk and I have a program around executing on your dream because you can literally design the life that you want it doesn't you can love your work mm-hmm. but you don't have to give your whole life to your work yeah and like and finding the balance and finding the balance when you talked about you're from the south whereabouts in the south are you from and can, can you share about, about like your family and then your what is it about as you were growing up that's influenced where you where you've ended up today yeah i am from the like the actual deep south i was born in alabama Mm. uh grew up in georgia all of my family is still uh there and i I go home quite a bit so i live in new york but i have lived here i think nine i I can't do math maybe 12 years i've lived here (laughs) Um, but i'm from the south i am not from here that's where i go and i come from a very, very large family, as is the case uh, in the South, kind of stand on the shoulders of the women in my family who I saw work so hard. I, I, down to my big mama, may she rest in peace, who like, really carried the family on her shoulders. So I saw, again, we talk about lifestyle design. And mm-hmm. what I've seen so much is so many of our women working so hard. Mm-hmm. And I've seen myself do that. And so now I'm like designing what a new life is and how can mm-hmm. I be an example for my niece, 
uh, right. so that she knows that this does not have to be your life. You don't have to struggle, but get what you need and design your life the way you need it to be so that it gives you joy and gives you peace. I grew up in a very, very small community. Both my parents lived on the same dirt road. I always knew, again, I love the South, but I always knew I was going to live in a city. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to live in New York. The first, one of the first books I got when I was very young is somewhere here in my apartment was The Country Mouse and the City Mouse. And I remember reading that book as a little girl, one and writing my big mama's phone number on it in case somebody found it so they could give it to her. I mean, we talk in small community. And I said, oh, I'm the country mouse, but there's something called the city. How do I get to that? I would love to see that. And I kept that book my entire life because I knew I was a country mouse, but I wanted to figure out how to be a city mouse because there was something happening over there Mm -hmm. and really spent all of my time just really kind of working my way up. Mm -hmm. literally working my way up the coast from Georgia to DC and to New York and really just trying to figure out what I can achieve that none of us thought was possible. Right. And what have you discovered about the city mouse Latoya? The city mouse Latoya. (laughs) Country mouse Latoya. She doesn't have her accent anymore unless she goes home or she talks to somebody (laughs) from home. She enjoys slow. She enjoys quiet. City Latoya is always on the move Mm -hmm. she's moving and shaking Mm -hmm. she's seeing and being seen she's trying to figure out what else is new she's creating adventure because she loves adventure and i love creating memories but i do that whether i'm in the city or back home Mm -hmm. the idea of just creating memories uh it's something that i'm just obsessed with so interesting because when you create when you talk about the this um country mouse latoya it's like how do you bring country mouse latoya into the city and then that be that's like your dream life, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> in terms of what you just described, like rather than it being in those locations, because the environment like really uh-huh. pushes for you to be in New York is so right. can be so intense, can't it's it? It's frenetic. And it's just like um yeah. I live in Chicago. And oh, love. I love I love New York, mm-hmm. but I know when I'm in New York, just the energy of New York is obviously so different from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I see the I see the hustle. I I join the hustle when I'm <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, and you it's know? good to escape when you need to. Otherwise, yeah. it gets to be too much. Yeah, where do you want to be? Like this is about like women who are who are moving, who are shaking, who are causing, who are achieving, and you said you like you're working your way up physically, geographically, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, um, in your career. What are you working on in terms of where you want to be in your work? When you've been at a place and you've worked in the places that I've been in for so long, mm-hmm. you start to get a little restless. I think there's this phrase that's going around the great resignation. Mind yes. you, I'm, I'm not on my way out of a job or, or, mm-hmm. or not, I'm not walking out, but I, I do reflect on what is it that's mine? How do you take all the resources, the learnings, the insights, Uh, and do something a little bit bigger and for yourself. That is Mm -hmm. always what's in the back of my mind. So that, because the one thing that I never want to be is comfortable, Mm -hmm. never want to be complacent and always want to challenge myself. And when I say that, and and I'm really not trying to speak out of both sides of my mouth, Mm -hmm. when I, on one hand say, how do I do less? But I'm also saying, how do I challenge myself? What does that look like that I never imagined? Because one thing that I always say to people, I have nothing I ever wanted, but everything I never imagined. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm trying to capture what else have I not imagined? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. do I give myself a little bit of quiet, a little bit of space to really think through that? In the back of my mind, I know how these things look. 
Mm-hmm. Like many people, I'm like, all right, when's the book coming out? When are we dropping that? How are we going to get this sold to someone? Who's going to get the rights? How are we going to turn this into a show? All of those crazy, chaotic things that right. have nothing to do with my day-to-day work are always in the back of my mind. Right. I think one of the things is challenge. It's really challenging the notion that you can't have, you can't be ambitious in your work and not grind it out. Does that mean like there's a, you, you absolutely can have both. Like we have like been sold and we have bought into the notion that we have to sacrifice ourselves in order to be successful in our work. And I really firmly believe that we don't have to do that, but you have to bring it, be so intentional mm-hmm. in order to not do that because you have to become more effective in the time that you do work yeah. so that it gives you the space to the, the create space for you in other for your whole life to fit, yeah. you know? I love yeah. that. And I, that talk about being obsessed with time. And we always think that we don't have enough time. And I'll never forget doing an exercise, probably when I was an undergrad, where we wrote down the number of hours in a day and a week, right? Mm-hmm. And then looked at how much time you spend sleeping versus how much time you spend doing X, Y, and Z. There's plenty of time. It's right. just, where do you use your time? Right. And I am so incredibly obsessive about my own time and it not being wasted, which means that you may look at my calendar at work and I may have the least amount of meetings because I don't like enjoy just being in pointless, aimless meetings. Right. I am so obsessive about my time. I know the hours when I'm hyper effective. I know when I'm not. I know when I have nothing left to give and I don't perform busyness and I don't show up just to be seen. So you right. think I'm doing something. I show up when I know I am on and then you see me and you get peak me and right. I know when to retreat, but I'm, it's because I'm obsessed with my time. I love that. And does that mean that you don't love that because people are like, wait, hold on. You don't sit in meetings like the rest of us. So I, I, does that mean you've got good at saying no? Yes. Yes. And I tell my team this all the time because I notice a lot of people struggle with it and I call it the unapologetic no. Mm -hmm. And you say it and you mean it. And that's it. It's a complete sentence. And I say no. It's not just with meanings, but it's how people view you because if you're not careful, people will take advantage of your expertise, start to suck the life out of you, Mm -hmm. um, start to take too much. And especially in the line of work that I do, it's very easy to become the default setting for representation inclusion and racism and -hmm. everybody wants you call uh, Toya. (laughs) yes yes hey can you take this meeting can you fix racism today no can't (laughs) i cannot join that meeting i need other people to show up and do their work this is not just me by myself so yes it's the unapologetic no and i do that as an act of self self care if you will brilliant brilliant there's not enough of black women I want to just name who do to do that now has it always been a what when did that arrive or have you always been like had some clarity around that but when did that start to be something that you adopted I would say it happened in earnest especially during COVID okay because you know life was different (laughs) like the pre-COVID odds it was just a different life it was mm-hmm. one that I quite enjoyed. I mean, I had the best life. I say this to people all the time. I had the best life. I was never in the office. I was always traveling. I was always here and there. Mm-hmm. But when you find yourself stationary, when you don't sort of have the excuse to not be available because mm-hmm. you were on a plane, in transit, going to a dinner, meeting some new people, going to, right. do, to, do, to do X, Y, and Z, I noticed that 
people didn't know what to do with time over the past year. Mm -hmm. And so we just tried to stay busy uh, and we started to occupy too much time. And I struggle with living and working at home. Actually, I call it living at work. That was a struggle for me. And it became so invasive that I could Mm. not have my space always be work. I already have to live here. And now I have to figure out how to work here. (laughs) So no, and that's when I started to learn the, the no. And I changed how I think about my space and my energy. So it wasn't a linear day anymore. It wasn't you get up and then you look at a laptop all day and then you shut it down. There are times where I have to break it up and like go for a walk outside and go just sit in the park and Mm -hmm. look at squirrels running around. And I knew that that's important for me to do so that when I do show up, I can be the best version of myself that I'm going to be. I mean, I wasn't 100% me last year. I don't think that anybody should have been expected to be, but I was able to be do as best as I can. And that involved like saying, no, you don't get access to me all the time. You just don't. You don't. I'm really hoping that people are really hearing this message. It's such a powerful message because there are so many people who are struggling with post as they've as they're returning to the office, mm-hmm. the patterns of back-to-back meetings is continuing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they've got into it's got embedded as a new way of of working, of mm-hmm. just like having no space in between the meetings because it's just like because they you're sitting at your desk so yeah and so unless you're conscious it, that it will rob you of your yeah. of your time and so taking your well reclaiming your time and ma- as reclaiming in my time yes yes she said an entire word that was a sermon. my time exactly it really was it really was so we, you really need to start the movement all the black women in the order reclaim <laughs> um, I love that. I love that. Uh, what's been the biggest um, challenge that you faced and how have you dealt with that challenge or where you might be facing one right now? Where right. do I begin? Uh, one of the biggest challenges that I face day to day and it's specifically related to the role that I'm in now is making sure that this type of work, when you, again, when you talk about elevating voices across mm-hmm. our platforms and in the industry, that it is not seen as volunteer work because mm-hmm. it so often can be at a place like Google where it's not necessarily attached to a device or phone, something that you have mm-hmm. tangible metrics. We can know if people buy pixel phones and we can know the growth rates. But when you're talking about something that we all philosophically agree needs to happen, Mm -hmm. the way people think about data and metrics is different. Mm -hmm. And so I struggle with making sure people understand the business case for why we're doing what we're doing and having to say it over and over and over and sound like a broken record so that you get the resources that you need, so that you get the support that you need. And so that we don't continue to just kind of scream into a void. So that is something that it's all. And I think it's, And when I think about this work and you think about, oh, what does this actually mean if when you go out and apply this to other parts of your life, it's really about building a business. And whether that's a Mm -hmm. team or whether that's a new piece of work, it is about building a business and being very rigorous and diligent about it. And And luckily, I have the right people around me from my team, from sponsors that I have, Mm -hmm. and just even from peers, even my friends, because at this point in our career, most of us are going through the same thing. We're not Mm -hmm. doing the same job, but we all came up at the same moment in the same era, going through the horror of 2020 together and still trying to keep each other lifted up and keep each other moving. So yeah, making sure it's not just volunteer fun work, uh, 
or just kind of throw away, do our diversity work. And, and we're happy to say that it's being done. I, I, it is often a challenge to, again, make sure it's really serious business and people respect it as such. Yeah. And they can see their part in the mm-hmm. work as they, because it impacts them, of course, sure. but they don't always, people don't always see that it impacts them and what they're doing every day. How are you thinking about like imp- expanding, improving that space, like for other black women to come through we know that there's your your you can influence inside of your system but what else what are you doing do you think collectively to help with that because it isn't as we know it's not because there's no talent Mm -hmm. but we do know it's about access and opportunity so what is there anything that you you are doing or thinking about um, with regards to that Yes, one of the things that I love to do um, is build the connections and open the doors. And one of the most effective ways of doing that, and, it, and it's, not, it's not rocket science. Before the world shut down, I used to do these, I call them supper clubs um, mm-hmm. in New York. And I would just invite amazing people who I thought needed to know each other. Right. And at the end of each one, I would say, who should have been here? Who wasn't? Oh, I love and then that, that question. The, yes, that became the next invite list. Oh, such and such told me that you should have been here at this thing. It changes location. And it started to build a network of people so that when we start to do things like panels, right? When you start to hear about opportunities Mm -hmm. or someone's got, do you know how to get on boards? What challenges are you working with? And we Mm -hmm. think about how to lift our voices, not just at dinner. We think about how can I get you in my space so that you can be seen and heard. And what are these spaces over here that we know nothing about? And how can we share that information? So again, it is not rocket science. It's really building community yeah, and then opening those doors for each other. In a really but, intentional yeah. way. I mean, the thing I like mm-hmm. about the suppers is it's, I mean, there was a, I'm assuming the frequency. So it's happening. Mm-hmm. So you're always asking that question versus let's do this once a year. Um, yeah. so, exactly. I don't want to diminish any of the activities that I've done not once a year. Great. They need to be done. Mm-hmm. But like the consistency, consistent effort of opening doors is yes because that's what's happening in the mainstream right the consistent effort is the everyday activity (laughs) of opening doors exactly all the time all day every day and we have to do it for each other all day every day I love that question who should have been here and who wasn't I think we can all ask that question as we move Mm -hmm. through I love it I really do it sounds like it. A, it could be like a pot. I was thinking, do you know, that'd be a really good podcast. Like, <laughs> who should have been here and who wasn't? Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. You know what I mean? I Please. mean, like that might be an a podcast episode. At least I'm going to. I want to start a whole new podcast because I've got one. But I mean, I like the podcast. Who should have been here and who wasn't? Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. Or it's conference title. Oh, yes. you wouldn't that be a good? Um, you can what? have that back because that's yours <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> told you I'm doing less (laughs) right who should have been here and who wasn't Mm -hmm. that is a great that's a conference right there oh my goodness let's do it yeah yeah really like yeah in the organization like who should have been and like in the space Mm -hmm. and then um in what happened in the UK last year last week on channel four this they will there will be a connection to what we're talking about in a minute um they dedicated 24 hours to black um content black mm. content black um 
so apparently it wasn't just on it was black crew members so every every person who was involved in the 24 hours of programming wow was a, a black uh was black and um now that what emerged as well was it doesn't mean that there weren't issues around access because that question is really interesting just in that question who should have been mm -hmm. there and who wasn't there was mm -hmm. there were some voices that that really have you know, are constantly speaking out and constantly moving the dial in the spaces in the, who wasn't involved. But mm -hmm. what it what it started to sh who really wasn't involved. So that's there's a so it doesn't mean that it resolves everything at all for mm -hmm. twenty four mm -hmm. hours. But it really started to it's like amplifying that normally those people are not at the table, yes. they're not getting access. And it isn't that there isn't people who can fulfill those roles, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it's only when um, you focus and dedicate your time to it, then you, then you can locate those people and you give them access and you give them opportunities. I mean, what I hope is that Channel 4 wow. then continue to integrate that into the way that they do moving forward versus yes. like, well, you had your day, in September, yeah. right, and <laughs> you that had was your it. History you had your back history, yes, right. Call it, and we're moving right. on. And we're moving wow, on. I did not know that that happened. I yeah. will definitely do some reading. You should, uh, you should later. You today. should Google that. I, I, I most <laughs> certainly will. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get it in. I couldn't resist it. Yeah, yeah I mean, listen. And listen, you you've got long. dollar. Listen. Yeah, at least, at least, at least, I waited forty minutes before I put that one in. I put you. I wasn't the first, and I won't be the last. <laughs> I am. I was interviewing Camilla, Camilla Forbes, who's the creative director at the Apollo, about mm -hmm. her adaptation of Tanasi Coates' book Between mm -hmm. the World Between and the World me, and Me. Right? Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. And it was a predominantly black um, yes. people of color crew. And so she was talking about like because she it was she did it under HBO, right? So she was saying that, you know, there was the, on Zoom, they had the meeting and it's just like pure black faces, right? Mm -hmm. Of color faces in the, in, on the screen. And someone from HBO was like, oh my God, where did you find them? It's just like, we're here. Called them, just yeah. like, <laughs> picked up the phone, you know, yes. picked up the phone, called them. So this notion that they're not out there, they're not out there, it's just, we know it's BS. Yeah, it's um, bogus. But, you have to bring it in order yes. for people to for you to call it on the call the BS right it's a way Absolutely. of calling the BS so I've loved I love that so are you returning to the suppers in in this COVID times or are you delaying it no. for a bit until no not not right now um I'm waiting for whatever the next variant is going to be to clear itself up but we will get back to the point gonna, where you, yeah when you we're can, gonna yes you I, I cannot wait I look forward to the day and I said, we're not going back to normal, but I look no, forward to just like right. cleaning this up, moving ahead. You talked about your no as a, as one of the things around your self-care, like managing your self-care. What are the other self-care practices that you have? Because you like, if you're a mover and shaker, yeah. if you're really out there, if you're grinding it, like what are the things that you pay attention to, to take care of yourself? Because we can all yeah. get better at that. Oh my goodness. I also just love the idea of taking care of myself. I, I love it to an extreme. Um, <laughs> and and I, like, I do it with just such reckless abandon. Oh There's my God. nothing I love more. 
I won't say the name of the place because it's a little over the top, but I love nothing more than going on a retreat by myself where I get nothing but massages and practice gratitude and go to classes and take yoga. And I'll take myself there for three days and just take care of me and quiet down and not be on the phone. And dare I say, luxuriate. That's the kind of stuff I'm like, I can do this and I'm doing it and I'm happy about it. But on the other side of that, the opposite side of my like self-care is how Mm -hmm. do I turn the brain off? And for me, that means doing mindless things. That means consuming mindless television. I have watched everything on TV. I'm not ashamed (laughs) of it. I almost don't trust people when they tell me they don't watch TV. Like you had better be watching something. Uh, My favorite thing is like Nigerian movies on Amazon Prime or on Tubi. I just do the exact opposite of being on and using my brain. I just, I lean back and I'm like, what chaos is out there for me? What is there for me to watch? What, what memes are there for me? Who's got jokes? Turn this off. It's either like extreme self-care or just like extreme, like ridiculous randomness that entertains me and makes me laugh. I have one question is what's my it's called what mama used to say and it's that I like we get our guidance and our wisdom from our elders and our female elders in our family so it could be your your mom or it could be your grandmother or it could be another it could be an aunt I'm curious about what what pieces of wisdom that you got from an elder woman in your life that you that stays with you and that you live by it's, I love that you brought that up because I'm actually looking at a picture of my big mama because it sits in front of my desk. Mm. And it's not, it's not what she said, but it's who she was and how she lived. Mm-hmm. And I, in the act of making people feel special. And my mom was one of nine. And so big mama had a lot of grandkids. There were just a lot of us around. But every time you entered the room, you thought you were the only one. Mm. You always got a hug. You always got a kiss. And I just love that and I never forgot it never forgot it but it's just the act of making people feel seen and feel special Mm -hmm. and doing it in such a way that you're not even trying and it's just it's a small thing but it just happened and I I remember to try to do that I remember to try to do that and be present in how I show up as even if I'm on a meeting and I try to make sure people I'm not like looking around at another screen or typing because people can see that They can see that you're not there and you're not present. So it just taught me to be present and to to the degree that you can Mm -hmm. and to the people who are important to you, make them feel special. You remind me of what you share about her. Um, So funny, this this memory of of her cut as I was growing up. Her name was VA and she she was like a she was like a a friend of the family, but she Mm -hmm. was like an old aunt, you know, and every time she, <laughs> we live around the corner from the church. So we would go to mass at, at the same time. We went to the same mass every Sunday, but she always went to a later mass. So after her mass, she would always come, come pass round, right? So she mm-hmm. would knock on the door <laughs> and you knew it was her because how she rang the bell. <laughs> we were like, Fia's here. And so she would then come in and then she, she would then really just say, hello, hello. I mean, it was just, and then, then you couldn't stop yourself from smiling. Mm It's like, Fia is here. Hi, Fia. And then it was just like this light that comes in the house. Mm. And then sometimes she bought sweets, candy with Mm -hmm. her for us. 
but it was always the same refrain and the same welcome and the same like hello so as you share that it's just like that mm-hmm. the re- the repetition and how it is about being seen and being just connection and mm-hmm. the impact that you have on people in the beginning like as you make contact is so important i forgot it about i've forgotten about fia until this i mean i've obviously I'm remembered in the so past glad. but she is just you this just like sparked. big mama just brought her to me so she was I, such a special woman i believe it as you were describing her i was remembering something i heard oprah say a long time ago everybody's favorite and everybody's best friend in our head she mm-hmm. said, you are responsible for the energy you bring into a space. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. maybe it was Maya Angelou. It was Maya Angelou. Yeah, and she was Maya paraphrasing Angelou, yeah. her, your energy yeah. enters the room before you. And I, that sounds like your fear. Right. Like you are responsible for that energy that you yes. bring in. People remember it. Yeah. And it impacts you. Oh, right. it gives me chills. Yeah, totally, totally. So thank you for sharing about that because then it alert. Thank you, Fia, wherever you are. Oh, that is so heartwarming. Of, yeah, it's really, really lovely. Um, is there anything that you did not do to be successful? Ooh. Did, that I did not do? Yeah, that you were like chose not to do, something that you didn't do. What have I chose not to do? That really gets the brain turning. I will say this, and maybe I hope it's answering the question, but I'm taking a different approach. I think some of the things that I did delayed my success, if you will. Hmm. Um, So I didn't get right to it. I didn't press early enough on in my career to move at the pace that I should have been moving mm-hmm. in terms of elevating and get, getting promoted. And it's because I thought for a while that things just happened, that people mm-hmm. just took notice and they saw you and magically they mm-hmm. like pick you out and it's like, yes, right now this is your moment. So the things that I didn't do slowed me down a little bit. So that's okay. why you see kind of this metabolism now. It's almost like a game of catch up because mm-hmm. you, I think to myself like, oh, I never imagined that I would be you kind of, as a child, didn't see yourself at this age and at this stage in your life. Right. And, and, and I'm not in a horrible place by any means, but the things that I didn't do, um, it was not, not asking for more for myself. Mm. I eventually got around to, I'm very happy with where I am in life, but I do believe that if I had to go back and I could say to people, I'd say, don't do that. If that's kind of the opposite of what right. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. To ask for what the expectation that you're working hard and people will see what you're doing mm-hmm. and then they'll go, hey, here's your next move. Because you see that happening to other people. Yes. And it happens. And it does happen, but it doesn't happen to for certain us. groups of people. Exactly. Didn't happen uh, for us like that. Right. So unless you are paying attention and making sure that you mentioned sponsors earlier unless you are like having people who are you're cultivating that and you mm-hmm. are actively thinking about right what's my ask mm-hmm. What, are, mm-hmm. what is my next ask and then when am I asking it yes <laughs> you know? and yes really getting intentional about that then you just either you keep staying where you're staying and you yeah. get frustrated and uh-huh. that's the exact opposite of how I want to feel and how I want any of us to feel and to just live in that frustration of knowing that more is possible but somehow it's not coming to you I want more for us definitely another that'd be like another name for another conference (laughs) 
it's just like I want more. I want more, more for us. More for us. And you know, I'm writing it down. I don't know why, but maybe it becomes a t-shirt. Who knows? It does. Um, you write these things down, it becomes you, life. It becomes life. What's your immediate next step once we move towards like closing this? A wonderful um, conversation. What's yes. what's your immediate next step? Oh, this has been a delightful conversation. My immediate next steps, (laughs) this is so not fun, but it is setting myself up and the work that I'm doing for 2022, Mm -hmm. which, and really trying to do bigger and better things with my time. Um, There are a few things I can't, hopefully the next time we talk, we will have announced some of the things that I'm working Mm -hmm. on and they will be out into the wild. So those are my really, really focused next steps. And then beyond that, I continue to try to focus on my family, my -hmm. friends, taking care of those relationships, maintaining them. Because if you spend any time in New York, and maybe this is the case in Chicago, when you get into fall and winter, it's like, oh, wow, it's dark all the time. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you have really built up enough equity because you're always in. So I really focus on these moments while it's like bright and light and sunny and just building up the resources or the reserves as we kind of (laughs) go into this darkness and just caring for people, taking care of people, being present with the folks in my life um, and doing more of that. Yeah. I'd say that's, that's my immediate. Nice. I love it. If someone wanted to get in contact with you, where would they, where do they find you? Where's the best way to be in contact? It's super easy. Uh, everything is in my name, Latoya Drake. So I have a website with a contact page. My Twitter is open. It's Latoya Drake, my handle. Uh, also, my Instagram is Latoya Drake. But I will say this on Twitter. I am not out here shaking up the world, saying anything revolutionary. I'm reading everybody else's tweets and retweeting. <laughs> so don't expect to go and like see my tweets and use them one day. There's nothing there. It's just a bunch of retweets. <laughs> a bunch of likes. But I'm there. If someone You're wants there. to come in, someone wants to, if someone wants to message you, they can For find sure. you. That's Absolutely. brilliant. It has been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you, get to know you and have this conversation. You just <laughs> made it so easy and so warm and so welcoming. So thank you for inviting me you are with me today. And that brings us to the end of another inspiring episode of She's Got Drive. Latoya's interview was incredible and of course represents what we're all about here, like being inspired by the determination, being inspired by the path that she's taken. One of the things I really loved about her is that whole, the way that she talked about being unapologetic with her no, and we have a lot to learn about that. And so I think that's something we can all take on and get better at. So She's Got Drive, if you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying the interview so far, then I would appreciate if you would like, rate and review the show and then share it. So if you can go onto iTunes to review the show, I would appreciate that. And then the other thing is share the show with someone in your life. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. The music is by the wonderful Satoria Key. The song is called Back To Me. You can download her song from, if you go to the She's Got Drive um, website, there's a link that will take you to where you could um, download her song and buy her song. Please support her. It's a beautiful track and I appreciate her for letting us um, use it on the show. And in fact, at some point, we'll actually have Satori on the show as a singer-songwriter. 
So remember, we are building a community of women who are living their best lives. So keep driving towards your dreams. Until next time.